difficulties. I'm going to invite you to join with me in prayer. Let's just ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Uh, Heavenly Father, I do believe you have a purpose for which you send your word, and so accomplish it in our hearts and our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, remove all distractions and anything that would get in the way of seeing the beauty of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Has anyone heard of Hurricane Florence? (laughs) It's hard to avoid, isn't it? Hurricane Florence, which has now been downgraded to a tropical storm. And maybe you've heard of how it's affecting the Carolinas. That's all the news reports right now. That it's not the wind that's a problem, it's the rain that's the problem. Forty inches of rain in just a few days, that can lead to flooding and landslides. Because of this, there are a million people without power. Some people have lost their lives. Because this storm was approaching and it looked like it was a storm of biblical proportions, people were mandated to evacuate. Over a million people were mandated to evacuate. And I bring up Hurricane Florence because think of how cruel it would be if someone knew about this hurricane but never told anyone else. Consider if you're a meteorologist and you had a group of meteorologists and, and, and they knew that this storm could affect thousands and millions, but they didn't tell anyone. Now, for me, that would be the height of cruelty. Why wouldn't you warn people about what is coming? Why wouldn't you tell them to evacuate? And so maybe it's good that you've heard of Hurricane Florence. Maybe it's good that people report so that they stay safe and that they stay where they are. They don't go on the street roads. They, they are protected. Well, today we're talking about why we speak boldly about certain things and what prompts us to say certain things. And, and one of the things I believe is that we speak boldly when we can keep people from harm's way. Isn't that true? And in fact, I was reminded of this uh, a few years back, uh, seven years ago, one of my favorite moments in the Chicago area came at a gun range. And uh, there I was getting a tour of all the various guns, a shotgun and a handgun, a revolver, and also this one. That's a high caliber. I don't even know what it is anymore, but I remember it was big. And I remember the warning was that if you're not careful, this thing can leave a scar on your forehead. If you're not careful, this thing can give you a concussion. And they maybe even overwarned me with some extra verbiage, but I was thankful for that because then when I did pull the trigger, you better believe I tried to hold it down. <laughs> yes, we, we warn people, don't we, if they're in harm's way. But, but you know, there's also another time that we speak boldly. And I was reminded of this when I, I gathered with a group of pastors this, this past week. I I got together, and there are four new pastors in the Chicago area that came from all different portions of the country. And so what comes up very quickly are the things that you need to do and that you need to experience. And so what came up very quickly is Portillo's. Absolutely. Because they would not have the experience like I had. I was here like four years, and I thought it was a fancy sit-down restaurant that that I couldn't afford until I found out it was a hot dog stand. And so I'm like, this is not going to happen to you. You need to know about dipped beef sandwiches. You need to know about jardiniere. You need to know about these things. And so we talk about portillas. You ever get a recommendation for a restaurant? Or or maybe you have a problem at at, at your house, and, and, and your neighbor says, well, I know a guy. Do you know the guy who says, I know a guy? <laughs> Does anyone know that guy? <laughs> and, and isn't it true we speak boldly when we can help people? That, that's what we do. It, it, it would be wrong for us not to speak up 
about certain opportunities you can have when you're in this neck of the woods. Wrong to speak up if, if, if we can lend a helping hand. Now, we've gathered in the Church of God, and, and by the way, I wanted to welcome you, even if you don't consider yourself a Christian, if you're new to this place, man, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we have donuts for you. Uh, it's great. It's great. And, and you can have questions. You don't have to have it all together. You'll find that there is no perfect person here except for Jesus Christ, so just, just welcome. But, but when it comes to the Church of God, if you are a Christian, isn't it true that we have some information that could help some people? Isn't that true? See, see, what I believe is that everybody lives somewhere forever. And I do believe in this doctrine of heaven. And, and you need to just explore heaven a little bit because what the Bible declares about heaven is that it's the best feast imaginable. In the Old Testament, it calls it a feast with the best of meats and the finest of wines. It's awesome. In the New Testament, it describes it as a place where there's no more suffering or sadness or crying or pain. That's awesome. It's described as the new heavens and the new earth. And I know even the person that I might not like that much, I want with me in heaven. Like, I think it's that helpful. I, I want to party with everyone there eternally when, when Jesus is in the center. That's, that's how good it's going to be. And, and so sometimes I speak boldly because I know heaven would help someone. But aren't there other teachings that we maybe need to share because we want to spare people of harm? You know, there, there are some unpopular teachings, and, and maybe one of the most unpopular teachings is the polar opposite of heaven, that the fact there is a hell. And, and I didn't make up the idea of hell. Um, if you have a beef with someone, you have to have a beef with Jesus. Uh, he spoke about hell um, almost more than any other teaching. He brought it up that this is a place of sorrow. This is being removed from God, and God is everything good. So if you're removed from God, it's not a place of party it's a place of sorrow and that's an experience that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy and and so we warn people that everybody lives somewhere forever and I'd love for, for this gathering to someday take place there and be like hey we made it best of meets finest alliance it's awesome and that's why we share Jesus because Jesus is the epicenter of everything we want to proclaim. Jesus is the reason that we go to heaven, and Jesus is the reason we want to avoid a hell, because Jesus is that good. He is, he's the reason to be bold of confessing. His name is so beautiful. His, his power is so good. His, his love amazing. But I recognize that this speaking of Jesus, it shouldn't just happen in this place by a pastor. It should happen out there by everyone who professes the name of Jesus. It's happened by all of you talking about spiritual things and things of significance on a regular basis. That, that's where it should be taking place. We, we're not going to hear about Jesus in the house of God, but, but it should be common when, when people meet Christians that they're going to hear about Jesus too. But I have a feeling it's not as happening as, as much as, as God would like. And maybe if you are a Christian, a quick gut check. Would, would your coworkers know you're a Christian? Would, would you have given any evidence that you are? Would your friends know that your faith is a, a big deal if you're a Christian? And we recognize that we will not be bold unless we're willing to be selfless. 
We will not proclaim a name unless we're willing to put ourselves down to proclaim his. And welcome to week three of our, our series called Selfless. And we're drawing from Jesus' words when, when he said, you know, if you want to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple must, can you say these two words with me, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And sometimes denying myself is speaking of his name regardless of the consequences. That's what we want to talk about today. How can we bold in our witness to all the people we find around us? So our inspiration is the word of God. Let's turn there now. And, uh, and so we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 4. We're going to see the example of the early Christian church. A man named Peter who was very bold in his witness and his confession. You can follow along in the worship folder or on the screen, whatever your preference is. So here it is. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I could probably preach a whole sermon just on that verse. I think that truth is so central, especially today. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Later on, a few verses later, it says, now, Lord, consider their threats. The rulers told them to be quiet and threatened imprisonment and possible death if they kept proclaiming Jesus. Now, Lord, consider those threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I would love in one of our worship services if, if the place was just shaken by the Holy Spirit. I haven't had it yet. I don't need it, but it, it'd be cool. Um, we're going to consider the boldness found in these words, but if you could help me out, could you turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them, you are bold and beautiful. You are bold and beautiful. Are you ready to have some fun with the Word of God? Still with me? So you might not know this, but I was on The Price is Right. Does anyone know that? And some of you are groaning right now because you've been walking with me for 10 years, and that's what you've heard like a thousand times. But I really was on The Price is Right. Um, here's my best friend, Drew Carey. I had met him about 10 years ago. I did win some uh, bedroom set and some lawn tools. I played a game called Bullseye, where I got quantities of items between $10 and $12, and um, I spun the wheel. But, but I bring this up because I wanted to tell you the night before I was on The Price is Right and what happened in those moments. See, our seminary choir took a tour out to California, and we knew that one choir member was going to get chosen for The Price is Right. And so the night before, I was thinking, well, obviously it's going to be me. I'm just... Totally kidding. <laughs> um, but I was preparing what I might say if they hand me the microphone. Because if you've ever watched the show, um, when you're spinning the wheel, they say, who do you want to say hi to? So I had prepared this spiel, and I was going to say, 
I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the victory he won for all people on Easter. That's what I was going to say. I wasn't going to say hi, Mom or Dad, not because I didn't love them, but I was going to take this opportunity to witness and boldly confess to the world who's watching The Price is Right (laughs) um, about Jesus. Well, my moment comes, and sure enough, I make it to the wheel. But they tell me moments before that instead of handing me the microphone, they're going to pan to the seminary chorus, and they're going to have the seminary sing a song, in which case I am saying, okay, pressure's off. They have a ton of Jesus songs. We're good to go. As they pan to the choir, much to my lament, they sing a German song that no one understands. And what I remember is hugely lamenting, missing my opportunity to confess Jesus. What I remember is being, oh man, Jesus, I might have got a bedroom set, but I wanted so much more for you and for the kingdom, not because I'm a perfect man, but because in those seconds I wanted to use that platform to proclaim that name. But I didn't. I bring this story up. Because I think one of the things we're real with is that we've all missed opportunities to be bold in witnessing. Isn't that that true? I mean, we've all had opportunities to talk about the faith. Maybe it was on a first date or or meeting a a new friend for the first time, and and you talk for two hours, and, and you talk about family, and you talk about sports, and you talk about music, but you intentionally skirt around the issue of religion, not knowing where that would go, and don't say anything about Jesus. Or maybe it's uh, an opportunity someone asks about your church and, and you don't really talk about Jesus. You say a lot of words that don't lead to understanding like conservative or Bible-believing, but you don't share the gospel. You don't talk about how good he is. You just don't answer very well. Maybe, maybe it's someone who you know is in, in a bad situation and it's everything in you that wants to pray for them. And it's everything in you that wants to say, come to church, because I know church is going to help you, because Jesus is there. But, but you don't do it, and you let the moment pass. Can you relate to this? Can you relate to missing opportunities? It's not just me? Okay. Well, I know it's not just me, because it was actually Peter who's found in this lesson. You know, Peter's very bold right here, but we, we know a story of when he missed an opportunity. And it's a story during Jesus' passion. He was in a courtyard, and and it was when Jesus was on trial the the night before he'd give his life for us. And and even though he was warned he was going to deny Jesus, and he said, no, I'd never do that, he did it. He did it three times. He was afraid of a little girl who asked him, are you a disciple? And he started even cursing and swearing, no, I don't know Jesus, I don't know the man. And I wonder why we do this. And if we're honest, I think it's because we're afraid. In this moment, I I believe Peter was probably afraid. I believe he was probably thinking what they do to Jesus and what's happening to Jesus, they could do to me, so I better keep my mouth quiet. And why we might not be so bold to speak is maybe we're afraid too. And maybe we need to wrestle with our fears just a little bit. Can we do that? I think we need to air out some of the fears that we have. See, in other countries, you might put your life on the line for confessing Jesus or living for Jesus, but I don't think in America, at least not yet, and I'm thankful to God for that. So what is the worst that could happen if you talk about Jesus? 
Well, this past week I had a conversation with some pastor friends, and they were telling me about a bachelor party. There was a bachelor party for a pastor, and they uh, had an opportunity to witness their faith during the bachelor party. Now, that's a new standard for bachelor parties, isn't it? Let's be known for doing that. Go share Jesus. But what they recognized is they were in an environment where not everyone appreciated their testimony. In fact, someone came by and was just passing by, said an expletive and and said, man, uh, this is not the place to be testifying, and walked away. And we were discussing that that is about as bad as it's ever gotten for us group of American pastors. And and I can relate to it, because the worst that has ever happened to me when sharing Jesus is awkwardness, honestly, or people who don't respond. My new favorite place to talk about Jesus is an Uber, because you have a captive audience. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, and I was in an Uber in Austin with, with my wife, and, um, and I asked a very pointed question about religion, and there was just pure silence. And I did it out of love, but, and I thought we were in a good wavelength, so I was trying to be tactful, but it, it like shut everything down for like 30 seconds. You ever been there? And I guess the reason we need to explore this is because we're stopped up many times by fear, but we don't understand that the bad as it can get is really just... I've never yet been punched in the face. <laughs> Some of you might want to do that. <laughs> I've never yet been, been persecuted in, in a large way. No one has ever called me names. They've slammed the door. I've had awkward moments, but... When I consider the fears that, that keep me, and, I, and I'm real with those fears, I'm often like, why? Because the worst that can happen really hasn't been that bad. And I think it's good to go there. Because what often stops us from proclaiming his name is protecting our name. And that's ridiculous. We know which name matters more. And so maybe if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, and you lament that you've missed opportunities or you've been stopped up by fear, today's a day to repent, to say, Lord, I didn't get it all right. But then also to be renewed by the grace of God. Because there are new mercies every morning. And something I want to tell you about Jesus Christ is his goodness for us. One of the passages that can set you free is what Jesus is actively doing for you all the time. In in Romans, it says this, Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also, can you say this yellow with me, is also interceding for us. Right now in heaven, Jesus is bringing up your name to his Father. He is saying, Father, that group at Amazing Love that that looks to me and worships me, protect them, Father. Father, work out everything for their good, Father. Father, renew them in the peace of forgiveness and in your grace, Father. Father, let them come home when their earthly life is done, Father. He knows your name. He's using it often in front of the only audience that matters, our Heavenly Father. How great is Jesus who speaks about us, who intercedes for us and knows our name. But what if we could do the same? 
What if we could do this about Jesus' name? What if we could change? You know, I love that change is possible in the church. For Peter, he might have been a coward at one moment, but as we clearly see, he has done a 180. He turned courageous. And with God, there is the power of change. In fact, he is so courageous that now, not standing in front of a little girl, but standing in front of the rulers and authorities, he pins the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on them. Look again at what he says. He says, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. And again, he's in front of the authorities, the, the, the chief judges and rulers of the day. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, now this was interesting translating, and, and bear with me if you will. This is an Old Testament prophecy of Jesus. The stones the builders rejected has become the capstone. But what Peter does here is he includes that yellow word, you. He says, this group that I'm talking about, these rulers and authority, you guys are the fulfillment of one of the worst prophecies over Jesus. Now, that takes some courage uh, in front of the judges who are judging you to say you're the fulfillment of the worst prophecy. The stone you builders rejected has become this capstone. It's kind of like politically if we always want to point a finger at one person and put all the blame of every problem that ever has happened on one person, right? You did this. Peter is courageous. Peter not only talks about their condemnation and, and what they deserve, he also talks about salvation in that name. No other name can save Look to that name. He offers hope along with conviction. But how did he change? What happened between the time that he denied Jesus to the time that he courageously confesses Jesus? Does anyone know the significant event? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that lit a fire under the whole Christian church, including Peter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ inspired Peter to be real with the fact that he doesn't have to be afraid because if you don't have to fear death because it's been conquered, what do you have to be afraid of? The resurrection of Jesus Christ lit a fire under the early Christian church. In fact, many Christians in that age, in the early centuries, were, were killed in the Colosseum. And, and history goes down re reporting, there was one physician, Claudius Galenus, who attended those Christians in the Colosseum. And look what he said about him. He said, for fearlessness of death and hereafter is something we witness in them, the Christians, every day. And why were they so courageous? Because their faith was founded on a resurrection from the dead. On someone who had conquered death. And let me say it again, if you need not fear death, you need not fear nothing. And friends, I know it's 2,000 years later, but we have the same conviction, don't we? We celebrate it every Easter. In fact, every Sunday is a mini Easter celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what I get to tell you is that because Jesus conquered death, we can be courageous. What's the worst that can happen? Even in the countries where you might lose your life, guess where you're ushered into? Eternal life, which is better by far. We can be courageous. Convicting people when they're on a wrong path to show them their sin and their need for a Savior, to turn from their sin and to live, we can be courageous as we hold out life and forgiveness. That salvation is found in no other name than Jesus Christ.
He can help you. He can forgive you. He can renew your sense of peace. Let us be courageous. So I tried the other day. I worked on my courage. I was at a White Sox game. And while I was there, I saw another dude who was sitting by himself. Now, that's a precarious situation because usually you don't want to disturb a dude who's watching baseball. And after about three innings, I, I wondered, as a test of my courage, could I not only stripe, strike up a conversation, but could I possibly confess Christ with a dude who might need to hear him? So after three innings, I, I turned to him and I opened the conversation. He doesn't shut me down. Now I, I continue talking about baseball and, you know, Red Sox were playing and, and, and how they might dominate and Mookie Betts and, wow, he's having a good year. And, and, and so we talk about all those things, but then work comes up. And I have the opportunity to be real with the fact that I am a pastor. And I tell him that. There's no hiding. And now the chips are on the table. And though I was afraid he would shut me down, he didn't. In fact, from there, we had a two-hour-long conversation, and I don't remember much of the Sox game, but I do remember talking to this man named Trevor. And we talked about many things, about travel, about our experiences, where we've lived, the financial world, because that was his background. But we also talked about spiritual things. He told me about his background growing up in a small church in the Boston area. He asked me the question, what is the difference between Christianity and every other religion? And I was able to tell him about grace. I was able to tell him that every other religion will require you to do something for your salvation, but in Christianity it has all been done through Jesus Christ. I was able to tell him I feel like Santa Claus is a pastor. Not because I have a beard and I'm portly, um, but because I have a gift, a bag of gifts that I just give away, that you can be forgiven and be redeemed all because of what Jesus has done. I talked about heaven, which is one of my favorite subject materials, and, and maybe you know that, and, and how I want him to be there with me because it's going to be that good. And no matter how much we pursue good times here on earth, it has nothing compared to that place. Let's be there together. But I realized something. That two-hour conversation would not have happened if I didn't have a gamble in my heart. And the gamble went something like this. Am I willing to be considered an idiot for disrupting a dude watching a baseball game all in order to have a conversation and talk about Christ? For I got to tell you, if I didn't have that gamble first in my heart to be considered an idiot, I wouldn't have broached the topic. If I really wanted to protect my name and the good of my night and, and live just for me, I, I would not care about what this man does or does not know about Jesus the Savior. I bring this up because one of the most strangely comforting passages in this whole section is the people's response about Peter. It said, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men. And the word ordinary men in Greek is the word idiotes which is where we get the word idiot. They realized that these were idiots <laughs> who knew a lot about Jesus. And, and I think that really does uh, impact our bold witness because what I believe is that you have to be willing to be considered an idiot, otherwise you will never confess. 
If you are all about protecting your name and avoiding any bad consequences, you won't do it. Which is why it's okay to be considered this. It's why Paul, he had to write to some people, you know, if we are out of our mind, as some of you say, because they thought that he was kind of crazy, it's for God. You have to be willing to be considered a Jesus freak and a Bible thumper and a little bit too much into this religion stuff in order to, my mind, really get it right because there is no other way. He says, lose your life on account of me. Don't find it. For that's the only way to find it is, is when you live radically all out for me. The world may, may not understand, but that's okay. Because this message could save many who hear. Are you willing to be an idiot and out of your mind? Now, if you are, I think it is then that we are most like Jesus Christ. Caring more about what he says rather than what other people say. If you are, I think God can make much use of you. And eternity might look different because of your bold witness. So before we leave, because a lot of this has been philosophical, I, I want to give a couple practical ways to be bold in witness. And one of the things, if you are on that level and willing to go for it and willing to be considered an idiot, is I think you need to work on your invitation skills. It's no secret that a Christian church is benefited by active inviters. In fact, what's true of Amazing Love is I can see a string of people where someone invited and then they came and then they came and then they came and some of your pews are filled with them, right? And, and that's why I think invitation should be part of our witness because if they get here, Jesus is found here. And, and how might you go about this? Well, we have business card invites, but here's a conversation. You, you might ask, you know, what did you do on the weekend? And then they might ask you, and then you talk about your church. They say, you should come to me with me next weekend. I think it's something we should be about. And I think eternity could change if we do this simple thing of just inviting people to this place. But I want to challenge you with something else. To take it further. That if you are in Christ, to, to work on sharing him. On the back of your sermon notes, if you turn the page, if you turn there now, you'll find just a gospel presentation. I've used it many times, called The Bridge. It talks about how we were separated from God because of our sin. And, and all of this deserved death, death not just in this life but in hell. But God came to us at Christmas. Jesus lived the perfect life for us. He died on the cross, and that cross is the bridge that puts us in a right relationship with him. I think we should be prepared to answer. I think there's even a passage that tells us we should be prepared to answer. Consider these things. But while that's uber practical and maybe oversimplified, let me just say a general thing. Have you ever noticed you can't speak much about a sports team that you don't know a lot about? Have you ever uh, feigned allegiance for a sports team? Like you picked them because of their colors and now you find a true fan and you try to carry on a conversation. Has that, has that ever happened? Sometimes with March Madness, you're doing the bracket and you pick because of colors. But then you meet a true fan and they tar start talking about the coach and the players and the history. And you're kind of like, yeah, what you said. You can't talk intelligently or long about something that you don't really know, can you? 
And so while I gave you some simple steps, I guess broadly I would just say, if you want to be bold and witness, you better spend time with Jesus. Because you can't talk intelligently or long about a subject matter or a person or a God that you do not know. Be active in worship. Be active in Bible study. Be, be active in your time in the Word. And then when you are, people will take note for that is what they recognized in Peter and John. These guys were idiots, but man, they knew Jesus. May the same be said of us. Amen. Please stand.